Hello, everyone. Welcome to the first episode of Season 5 of Bring the Virtual Violence Podcast. My name is Giselle, and I am a paw peer advocating for wellness services at the Office of Health and Wellness. And essentially, what the Office of Health and Wellness does is we provide year-round programming to ensure students have access to health information and resources. And we are located in the Newman Vertical Campus, room 3-241. Some of our events in the past include public speaking workshops, yoga sessions, self-defense classes, um, CPR trainings. We also have our annual blood drive, our annual health and wellness festival. So if you're interested in any of these events or programs, please feel free to stop by our office. Again, we are located in the Newman Vertical Campus, room 3-241. Also, be sure to email our director, joy uh, joy.allison.baruch.funeret.edu. And please follow our Instagram, which is where this live stream is being held, Baruch Pause. And most of our events that we do, we try to center them around the eighth um, dimension, the wheel of the health and wellness. And today we'll be touching upon the emotional component. Um, so basically, what the emotional wellness is, is the ability to successfully handle life stresses and adapt to change in, in difficult times. So some ways to improve emotional health wellness is by building resilience. So for instance, developing healthy physical habits, taking time for yourself each day, um, reducing stress, which is our topic for today, um, getting quality sleep. So going to bed at the same time each night and waking up at the same time each day. And um, before we get started, as you can see, I am joined by two wonderful guests. We have Dr. Jaya Amador from the Counseling Center. She's going to be our guest speaker for today. And we also have House from the from TSO, and he's going to be our guest co-host for today. So I'm going to pass it over to you two now to please introduce yourselves. Sure, thank you. I can get started. Um, my name is Jael Amador. I'm one of the psychologists um, here. I at the Baruch College Counseling Center. Um, we offer free and confidential psychological services and we're located in um, the Annex Building, which is the building next to the library. Um, and so I'm really excited to talk to you a little bit about stress and how to reduce stress and how to like recognize it in your lives. Thank you for having me. Pleasure. So my name is House. I'm a first year seminar executive peer mentor, and I'm also a board member for the Transfer Student Organization. It's a phenomenal pleasure to be here on this platform. You know, I think stress and mental health is a really important topic, and I can't wait to get started. Great. Um, I'm so excited to have you both here. So we'll get started with stress management, our podcast for today. And our first question is Dr. Joe. Amador. So with midterms coming up, I know that um, students can feel like stress. Um, well, for me, I have my internship, I have this position as a peer mentor, I also have my classes, and that causes stress. And for me, stress is like feeling like a pressure of handling too much things. But um, I'd like to know from your side, what exactly is stress? Like, how will you define it? Yeah, so in general terms, stress means pressure, right? So if I like stand on a table, I'm applying pressure to that table, right? So when we talk about it in terms of mental health, what we're talking about is emotional pressure or mental pressure, right? And often is in response to something that we believe might be a threat, right? So our threat to our our lives, a threat to our well-being, or a threat to our ability to do the things that we do everyday life, right? So when we have a threat, meaning like uh, 
a midterm that can mean passing or failing a class, whether or a threat meaning like um, a, a assignment at work that might be really important to pass, right? We, we can feel pressure emotionally and physically and mentally. And so that's what is, the, is described or defined as stress. Well, thank you for that definition. And also adding on to that, are there different types of stress? Like I've heard of acute stress, but I don't really know like the types of them. And if so, can you please elaborate? Yeah, so um, there's a difference between acute and cr chronic stress, right? So mm -hmm. acute means it's something that happens at the immediate moment and it lasts for a short period of time, but is really intense, right? So something, for example, acute stress could be like a car accident, right? And that, that's like you feel stress in the immediate moment, but after that, that stressor is gone, then um, you don't necessarily feel that stress anymore. Chronic stress means that it lasts for a very long time, right? So those are the kind of the two general differences in terms of stress. Um, yeah. Okay. Thank you so much for that. Absolutely. And um, what are some, well, for me, I know right now, like, what could cause stress is the midterms and, like, handling too much things. But uh, yeah. usually, what are some causes or influences of stress? Yeah, so midterms and school and work, those are those are um, examples of something called social stress, right? When it has to do with other people and when it has to do with like deadlines or things that um, that we have to do, like present it to somebody else or someone is expecting of us, those are examples of social stress. And, and social situations can cause a stress, be it whether it be like a class or a, um, an expectation or arguments or things like that can be sources of social stress. But we can also think about the source of stress being our environment. I don't know if you've ever tried to study while there's like construction going on outside, right? That can really impinge your ability to study. Um, and so that's an example of environmental stress, right? Like for me, I get really bad allergies, right? And so the pollen really interrupts my ability to like do my work sometimes and I have to take um, like Zyrtec or something, right? So that's an example of like environmental stress. There's also physical stress, right? Like the effects of aging can cause a stress, cause a stress, but also have you ever been in pain and try to do work, right? Like sometimes mm -hmm. that, that pain can get in the way of your ability to do the things that you need to do, right? So like things like an injury or like inadequate sleep, right? You had mentioned like getting at least eight hours of sleep a night, inadequate nutrition, right? Like sometimes we don't eat enough because we're in a rush, but that can cause stress on our bodies, which can impact our ability to get things done. Um, and then there's also kind of like um, cognitive stress, which means like the way that we in we think about the world and, and, um, and how we interpret events can really impact how we um, experience stress. So for example, if we, you walk past me, I wear contacts, but I have terrible vision, right? And I'm doing this, mm -hmm. right? If you, if you interpret that as me being like really mean to you and angry at you, that can kind of cause some social stress in between us, right? But mm -hmm. if we like talk about it and we, you, I'll tell you like, I'm not mad at you. I just couldn't see you and I had to squint my eyes, right? So the way that we interpret the world can really affect how much stress we feel in terms of in terms of like what happens to us emotionally and physically and the pressure that we feel. Oh, thank you for that. I actually didn't know about like how someone's like actions could cause stress and it makes sense. And adding on to that, do you think like the weather could also cause stress? Like for instance, like when it's raining and like, going to work or school you think that would also cause stress 
It can for some people, right? Like it, it could be uh, environmental stress, right? So for example, if I use like a wheelchair and it's in New York City, it's really difficult sometimes to get around in a wheelchair, right? And it makes it even more difficult to get around in a wheelchair when it's raining, right? Or if I have a mobility issue or if I don't have my umbrella, right? That can cause some mm -hmm. stress, which may impact my mood throughout the day. And then my mood can impact my ability to do things, right? It really depends on the person, right? Some people love rain, right? Some people love different types of weather. So not everything that causes one person stress causes someone else, but these are potential sources of stress that we need to look at in our own lives. Great, thank you for that. And. Mm -hmm. um, one more question. Well, another question is, how do we recognize stress in our life? Like, is there a way that it affects us physically? Like, I don't know, like maybe losing weight or looking pale. Like, how do we recognize that we're facing stress? Because sometimes we may feel like we're under stress, um, stress in stressful situations, but like we don't know it. But our body mm -hmm. does, and there's like ways. So, how do we recognize that? Yeah. So, um. We want to think about stress as like a pressure, right? Again, pressure, mm -hmm. emotional or mental, right? That comes as a result of like some sort of threat, right? And so we think about it in terms of something called fight or flight, right? Have, and so just most people have heard of fight or flight, but I'll just explain it really briefly just in case. So fight or flight is like this kind of innate ability that we have to protect ourselves, right? So if we think about like in the past when we were like cavemen, or, you know, whatever. And when we were like cavemen, then um, if like a lion or a tiger or a bear came up to mm -hmm. us, like we would either have to like fight the lion or tiger or bear or run away in the situ that situation, right? Um, what would happen in our bodies to kind of help us do that is that our breathing would get really shallow or our... Um, or our muscles and get really tense, we might start to sweat, our stomachs might start to like empty out and maybe hurt a little bit, right? The thing, the difference is, right, there's no lion or tiger or bear in New York City that's threatening us, but our stress looks very different, right? Mm -hmm. But we have those same physical effects, right? So sometimes when we experience stress, we may notice that we're like, our muscles are really tense, or we're breathing really shallow, or we're like sweating, or our, or our tummy hurts, right? So those are some physical manifestations of stress. There can be like emotional manifestations of stress as well. Like we might notice that we're like, like more likely to get angry at a family member or more likely to like start arguments with folks. Um, or like we may be avoidant of people because we're, they're just too overwhelmed, right? And so those are kind of like some emotional um some emotional manifestations of stress. We can also think about it behaviorally, right? Like avoiding going to work, procrastinating, not doing your schoolwork, that can be an indicator that we're experiencing stress. And also, again, the way that we're thinking, right? Like, are we thinking mostly negative thoughts, right? In, in certain situations, are we like interpreting situations in like the worst case scenario? Those can also be kind of indicators or manifestations of threat, right? All in all, I think it's really important to understand that stress manifests for different people in very different ways, right? And what we have to start to identify is like, what does it look like for me, right? Maybe I don't get a tummy ache or I don't start to sweat, but I know that my muscles get really tense when I'm stressed, right? And in that way, then I can start to intervene and do the right thing for me okay thank you um so now knowing how to recognize stress mm -hmm. what are some ways that it can affect us like like our health 
Yeah. So in a number, in terms of our health, I think stress can affect us in a number of ways. So remember when we were talking in the very beginning about chronic stress, right? So chronic stress is associated with a lot of um, like chronic health problems, like high blood pressure um, and also like diabetes and other things like that. So, um, so chronic stress can really affect us like, like on a schedule, uh, like on a cellular level. Um, it can also impact our sleeping and our eating, right? And we know that when we're not sleeping enough, when we're not eating enough, or when we're overeating because we're stressed out, that can affect our health too in negative ways and make, um, give us more propensity to like, um, have trips and falls or accidents if we're not sleeping enough. Um, more propensity to be forgetful and lose concentration. Um, so when we think about emotions, it's never separated from our physical health, right? Physical health is part of overall health. And so one thing can really definitely affect another. Okay, um, thank you. Mm -hmm. And another question, which is basically like kind of the same, which relates to how stress affects us is, how do we feel physically? Because sometimes I heard that people feel like upset, mad, but then I read in the article that that's sometimes a myth and that we just make that up in our mind. So what would you say stress makes us feel physically? Is it, does it really make us feel upset or are we just like making that up? No, I think that stress looks different for different people, right? And so for some people, um, it, it manifests in anger, right? For some people, it might manifest in sadness. For some people, it might manifest in nervousness, right? So I think that like, it's really hard to say like, oh, this is the one way that you experience stress because it's different for different people. But it can look like that for some people, right? Like, you know, for example, if you're having a really hard time and being really stressed with, um, with too many things to do in class and then work schedule and then like family responsibilities, right? And then someone kind of steps on your shoe in the subway, of course you're going to kind of like, you know, get angry and maybe yell at them hopefully and hopefully stay safe. Right. But, uh, you know, kind of thinking about like our stress and the things that you're talking about, which are emotions, right. Those things can affect one another. And so, um, it's, you know, it's not, it's not accurate to say that we don't feel anger when we're stressed. I think sometimes for some people it works, right. For some people, they kind of like disconnect. Right. So it really depends on the person and how things kind of play out for you. Okay. Um, thank you so much for that. Yeah. And uh, my last, question would be do you think stress is ever good like would it motivate us to do even better like for instance if I'm feeling stressed and I don't obviously I don't like the feeling being stressed like would that motivate me to do like the work and not feel stressed like is it ever a good thing absolutely so when we have zero stress that means like we're inactive completely like we're just kind of like jelly like laying on the ground right um there's actually something called the stress performance curve and what essentially the stress performance curve says is that like with stress it um our productivity kind of goes up up to a point and then it comes back down right and so when we're feeling very little stress or no stress at all again we're inactive and not really performing in the way that we want to perform or that we optimally want to perform for everyone there's an optimal level of stress right like not too little and not too much that helps us perform in a way that we don't feel overwhelmed but we feel motivated enough to get 
get what we need to get done, right? Mm -hmm. When we start to notice that we've gone a little bit beyond um, the optimal level of stress is when we start to feel fatigued and tired, right? That could, that could be our body's indicator of like, okay, this stress is getting a little bit too much and we're, we're not in our optimal level of stress and our productivity is starting to go down. But definitely there is, um, at a certain case in a certain level, right, there is a correlation between stress and productivity. So it can be a good thing. We don't want to eliminate stress completely. We just want it to be at a level that's motivating and that keeps us um, healthy and, and that when we, we can keep ourselves doing the things important to us. Um, and then when we start to realize that we're getting a little bit tired, a little bit overwhelmed, that's when we kind of intervene. Okay. Yeah, makes sure. sense. Um, so now I'll pass it over to our guest co-host house with um, more questions regarding stress. Of course. Thank you. Yeah. Um, you know, I did hear from, I think, a health class in high school about the stress performance curve. So my question to you is when specifically can stress be a good thing? Do you have any specific examples? Yeah. So... I think one example that came up recently was like, say you are in, um, so say you're like in a soccer match, right? And um, you're lo you're on the losing team. Um, it it can be motivating to be on the losing team because it can motivate you to work harder, right? So it, what it really depends in that situation is how you're interpreting losing, right? Are you interpreting it as a challenge to try your best? Are you interpreting it as a challenge to do what you can, even if the outcome isn't perfect, right? Or are you interpreting the fact that like you're on the losing team to you being a loser or there being something wrong with you, right? That's usually not the case, right? Because, um, you know, Michael Jordan, the greatest athlete, one of the greatest athletes of all time, or so, more recently, like Serena Williams, the greatest athlete on earth right now, right? She's, she loses um, some games, right? That doesn't mean she's not the greatest athlete in the world right now. It just means that she's losing some games, right? But perhaps she can see herself in a perspective of like, I'm Serena Williams, it's okay to lose, right? And I think we can say the same things for ourselves, right? L losing in a game, can be interpreted in different ways. And the whether that stress works for us depends on how we interpret it. And right, that can, and, I'm okay. sorry. Well, I was just gonna say like, that can apply to like our schoolwork, right? That can apply to our jobs, that can apply to our relationship with the family. How are we interpreting situ stressful situations, whether they be in a way that's negative for us and kind of like says bad things, says bad things about us or whether it be like as a challenge that we can we can live up to and try our best even if the outcome is not perfect yeah i absolutely agree uh since you brought up great athletes another big example is tom brady when he was losing in the super bowl he was down 20 to 3 mm -hmm. and um one of his teammates actually had an interview a couple of months ago and they asked him what was he saying on the sideline what was going through his head as they were down by such a high score? And the teammates say, Brady looked at him and just said, we're going to win this game. At the end of this game, we're going to come out on top. And, you know, that mentality just brought them all the way to the end. It's <laughs> definitely how someone can interpret it can, you know, go either way. A lot of people who use stress as motivation tend to do better because in life we do need challenges. If there's someone who is not necessarily do they don't necessarily have a career, they're sitting home and, you know, they're slacking off work. That could be one thing, maybe some stress in their life will encourage them, you know, find a career, get a resume down and, you know, potentially get a handle on your life. Mm -hmm. um, 
in addition to you know everything I've I've spoken about, um, I actually want to know from your perspective, how do you relieve stress? How do I relieve stress personally? Yes, I like to. So I like to go on long walks. Um, so usually after work, I I'll walk all the way. You know, we're we're at Baruch. I'll walk all the way to the west side to catch a train um, to my my place and that's kind of like the de-stress my de-stressor of the day right like I can easily take a closer train but that one mile walk one and a half mile walk is just like a way of me kind of like moving my body and like de-stressing from the day sometimes I listen to like a, a playlist of depending on the day right like of like really loud music or really soft music um, but I found that movement is really great for me um, and I also have a meditation practice in the mornings, um, kind of like doing something gentle and soft because oftentimes in this society, like the first thing we hear in the morning is a really loud alarm clock that shocks our, our system, right? And so sometimes that can really affect how we go into the day when the first thing that you do is kind of like shock your system to get you out of bed, right? And so for me, having a meditation practice to just kind of slow down my breathing and to just kind of like center myself really slows down my morning and really helps me have a pretty good day um, during the day. What about you guys? What do you guys do to, to reduce stress? So me personally, I actually reduce stress by using a reward system. And what that means is when I'm presented with a stressful situation, I always see it as a challenge. I always say, okay, a challenge is coming up. I rather overcome it than, you know, give up to it. And what I do is whether or not I get a good result, still overcoming any stressful situation is rewarding in of itself. So for example, if I get, if I have a midterm at Baruch and I get like a really high score, like a 90, I'll do what you do. I'll put on some loud music. I'll probably eat my favorite food. I'll do something fun. I want to train my body, my body to know, Hey, you did something great. It's time for you to, you know, have some fun and loosen up a bit. And that also, I think going back to the stress performance curve, I think when you're at that point, when you feel as though it's too much, I think calming down and showing yourself that you've done a great job helps, helps boost your mental health in an entirety to show you that, you know, moving forward, if you're presented with another stressful situation, you may have had a better chance of overcoming that than before. Mm -hmm. I love that. I love that reward system, right? And we can, we can offer ourselves reward, not just for the big things, right? But for the little things, right? Like I, you know, I'm trying to drink more water and I have my water bottle here. And so like, finishing one during the day is a big deal for me, right? Like, that's not my goal. My overall goal is to have two or three of these bottles, right? But right now, maybe finishing one can can mean, like, rewarding myself with, like, I don't know, an hour of Netflix or something. I'm not sure. But, like, you know, thinking about, like, the big goals are great to reward yourself, but also the, the teeny tiny goals, the small steps to get you to the big goals are just as important. Well, for me, I really stress by listening to music. Um, for me, it really calms me down. And I am a huge fan of, like, Ariana Grande. So I'm, like, always listening to her. I have, like, a whole playlist of her. And that really calms me down. But also, like, watching movies and spending time, like, alone is also a good thing. Like, I really enjoy comedy movies. Yeah. And it's, like, if I'm feeling stressed, that's, like, takes me time to, like, you know, enjoy my time and take some time to laugh. So that's how I usually, like, um, relieve stress. Yeah, it sounds like you're an introvert, Giselle. Is that accurate? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, some people relieve stress by being around other folks, right? Some people need their, their alone time. I'm definitely one of those alone time people, too. Well, for me, it's a bit different because I'm an extrovert. And yeah. um, 
And, you know, at TSO, our events are basically all about networking. And I actually relieve stress by going to these events and just organizing, you know, how people can talk to each other, just sitting down and, like, spending time with people. That's just, you know, personally how I get my energy for the day. But I want to take our thinking and I want to go another step further. Mm. How can you eliminate stressful situations? That's a really good question, right? And I think that there are a number of ways of looking at that question, right? Like, what, from what we learned through the um, the performance and stress, the stress performance paper is that we don't want to eliminate completely stress, right? But we want to kind of get it into our optimal optimal kind of stress level, right? And so it really depends on the kind of stress that you're experiencing, right? Like if it's physical stress, right? And it has to do with something like, we'll say, for example, not sleeping, um, then perhaps kind of setting boundaries in terms of your work day, in terms of your study schedule, and setting a bedtime, right? Where you can kind of like have a nighttime routine and go to sleep, right? If it's social pressure, maybe something to think about in terms of um, you know, setting up a time management um, thing for yourself so that you, uh, you know, you can have your reward system, but you also have your time to um, your, your time to do the things that you want to get done. Um, if it's, uh, you know, other types of social stressors between people, maybe it's about having conversations about boundaries and about limitations with folks, right? I think that like, just kind of talking about it, all of these things have to do with boundaries, right? All these things have to do with kind of like knowing where your limits are and kind of coming back from that limit so you can get into an optimal level of stress, right? So it really depends on the situation, but overall it's about like what boundary and whether it be time, whether it be physical, whether it be relational, what boundary am I setting now so that I can set myself up for success? I really like your methods, but I actually have a question of my own that I want to add on to what you said. A lot Please. of the a lot of the suggestions and methods that you named require a lot of mental willpower and commitment. What is mm -hmm. your advice to someone who may not necessarily have that willpower in order to develop, a, you know, a mentality to set boundaries, set a bedtime, have these conversations? Because I know personally. At Baruch, there's a lot of introverted people. They're very afraid of, you know, going up to people. A lot of them complain about, you know, the workload that Baruch professors give. What is your advice on overcoming this mental barrier? Absolutely. So I think that one of the best, um, one of the best pieces of advice that I've ever gotten is don't focus from going from zero to 100. Focus on going from zero to 10 or zero to five, right? So what that means is set small steps and small goals because sometimes a big goal can be overwhelming. So let's say, for example, you're not sleeping enough and you're going to bed at um, 3 a.m., right? Trying to set a, a 10 p.m. bedtime, right? That's a lot of time to like having to, for your body to have to adjust, for you to have to adjust your schedule, for you to have to change things, right? So what if we start with half an hour increments, right? Or hour increments, right? And, and work up to 10 a.m. rather than kind of like doing it all cold turkey and kind of setting yourself up for failure because that's just too much of a difference for your body to adjust to, right? And you can apply that to anything, right? Setting small steps and small goals can help you get to the long run, right? So just in general, think about it this way. If you're thinking of going from zero to 100, start by going from zero to five or zero to 10, and you can always work up to it. That's phenomenal advice, truly. I mean, thank you. I'm definitely going to adopt that into my lifestyle for if some things I have a mental barrier for. Um, moving on, my next question, and this might sound kind of weird, but can you be stressed without feeling stressed? 
Yeah, actually, not that's not a weird question. I think that's a really great question, right? I think here's what I believe, right? I think our bodies always give us an indication that we're stressed, right? And that really depends on other people. However, sometimes we're really good at ignoring those signals, right? We're really good at ignoring the fact that we're sleepy. We're really good at ignoring the fact that we're tense. We're really good at ignoring those signals, right? So it's not about us not knowing, but it's about kind of us not being really present in our bodies and with our emotions that sometimes doesn't help us to kind of recognize that we're feeling stressed, right? And so the solution to that is, to, to learn how to focus in the mo moment, right? And one small step to do that is like, you know, being in the moment and taking 10 deep breaths, right? Can help you to kind of recognize, this is what my body's feeling, right? Like I'm feeling really tense or I'm having this really bad belly ache, right? That can be an indicator of stress. Maybe I need to set some boundaries. Maybe I need to do some self-care, right? So it's not that like, we don't know we're stressed, is that we're kind of ignoring the signals our bodies are sending. And that's, that's actually kind of like really possible, especially in the society that we live in where we're so focused on productivity, right? And we're so focused on productivity in a way that we ignore these, we learn to ignore these signals, but it is possible to learn how to recognize them again. You know, a lot of what you mentioned also can deal with, um, you know, anxiety, taking a deep breath, sitting down there and, you know, trying to stay in the moment and not overwhelm yourself. So my next question for you is, what is the difference between stress, anxiety and burnout? Yeah, um, that's a really great question. So when we think about anxiety and burnout, we want to think about those are two kind of conditions that um, stress contributes to, right? So if we think about stress, stress is pressure, right? Again, as in a response to threat. But what, but one additional part of that definition is that once the threat is gone, then we don't feel stress anymore, right? The difference between stress and anxiety is that even, even when we lack stress, when we lack the stressor, right? Even when there's nothing like around that we know of might be causing us, um, causing us to feel anxious, we still feel anxious. So there's no kind of like identifiable source of anxiety. It's just kind of generally we feel tense or worried or anxious all the time, right? So, and that usually happens because we've, we've gone through a really long period of chronic stress that we believe like everything is going to cause us stress or everything is going to cause us not to feel so great. Burnout, on the other hand, is specifically associated with our work or our school, right? And so when we talk about burnout, burnout is a response to stress at work and school, but a response in such a way that we feel so exhausted and so depleted that we can't really engage in our work or in our school in the same ways that we have in the past, right? And so that has more to do with like energy and motivation in terms of like school and work, right? So the foundation of both those two kind of conditions, burnout and anxiety is um, stress and oftentimes chronic experiences of stress that lead to us either being worried all the time, even if there's no stressor, or just feeling super depleted and tired. Thank you for the clarification. I actually had no idea. And um, my final two questions kind of go hand in hand, mm -hmm. and I'm really excited to ask them. So my first question is, what can I do as a friend for someone who's experiencing a lot of stress? And my second question is, what does the Baruch Counseling Center do for a student that's experiencing stress? Oh, I love those questions. So I want to turn back to the first question on you, right? Like, if you were feeling really stressed, what would you like a friend to do? 
And that could be for I, both of you. I would definitely want an outlet to potentially vent about what's making me feel stressed because talking to someone usually would at least alleviate the pressure that stress is putting on you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, having someone to talk to. What about you, Giselle? Um, also, for me, it would be like to spend time together because I know how you mentioned before, like socializing with people can also like release stress. So probably, I don't know, going out to shop, going to the movies, something like that. Spending mm -hmm. time with someone you appreciate that that's something I would appreciate if I'm feeling stressed out. Yeah. And you see how different those two answers are? So the answer to your question is ask them what they need, right? Say, hey, I noticed that you've been feeling really stressed. You know, is there anything that I can do to help? Um, or you can offer the things that you can do, right? Like, hey, I can be a listening ear or we can spend some time together. Hey, would it feel good to go to a coffee shop to, to plan out a schedule, right? Will it feel good for me to help you call the counseling center, right? Um, so I think it's really, since we, ex since we all express and experience stress in, a very, in very different ways, I think it's really important to kind of like understand that for, with our friends and just kind of offer what we can offer or even ask like, hey, I noticed that you're feeling stressed. What do you need right now? And seeing if you can provide that. And then to your second question, what can the counseling center do? So the counseling center is a great place to come when you're feeling um, to have discussions around stress, anxiety, burnout, as well as other um, conditions that affect your emotions, your behaviors, um, your relationships, and your mental state, right? So here we offer um, short term, so typically up to a semester's worth of work, individual therapy. We also offer um, individual therapy in, is when you just do one-on-one -on -one with a clinician. We also offer group therapy. We have a number of groups. One is called um, Black Mental Health Matters, which I run with my colleague, Dr. Gary Dillon. And we talk about experiences of Black students um, in the world and at Baruch. We also have two other groups open to everybody, which is um, relationship to self and others. And they typically meet during um, club hours. So that's a time where there's no classes and people can come. And we talk about um, like stressors going on in the day and daily life and also how it reflects our affects our relationships. Um, one, the first way in which you would connect to the counseling center is um, you can find us on our website, on the Baruch website and click the make an appointment button, um, or you can email us at counseling at baruch.cuny.edu. So your very first appointment would be something called a triage session. What a triage session is, is just like a quick snapshot of what's going on for you. So we'll, we'll meet for like 30 to 45 minutes, talk about what's going on for you, any sort of background information, and then we'll help you kind of come up with recommendations for your care. Um, we also offer referral services. So some people prefer longer term therapy. And so we can help you like find um, like psychiatry residents here that um, we I think we have someone on site at least um, four days of the week. And if you're interested in along with um, either individual or group therapy, also doing medication, then we can help facilitate that. But you would have to be involved in either group or individual therapy to be part of um, psychiatry here at Baruch. So we offer a number of services. We do these kind of outreach events as well. So if you have a club um, that's interested in kind of having discussions like this, we definitely can go out and make a presentation with your club. So um, those are some of the services that we do here. And um, 
we you know we're open to all Baruch students if you're registered of a Baruch student. So please come out and see us. Don't wait till it gets too overwhelming, right? Even if it's overwhelming, come out and see us. But sometimes it's just really good to go, you know, at the very beginning of the of the issue or the trouble, because then you can kind of like prevent it from getting even worse. Um, so I hope that answered your question. But that's, and, and I know I talked a lot, but we offer a lot yeah. of services and we really hope that you take advantage of it. Yeah, yeah thank you. And uh, um, personally, I hope I'll be reaching out so that we could do more outreach with the Counseling Center. Um, thank you so much. And I'm going to pass it back to Giselle. Perfect. Yeah, so we're about to end uh, our live stream. But before we end, I have a question. So I know you mentioned that the Counseling Center offers one-on-one -on -one counseling and also group counseling. So a question to that is, What's the difference between both? Like, is it more beneficial to attend the group, the group one than the one-on-one? -on -one? Like, what would be the difference between both? Yeah, so it's actually, there's been a lot of studies between the benefits between mm -hmm. um, ver individual, individual versus um, group therapy. And overwhelmingly, it's been found that group therapy is just as effective as individual therapy. It really depends on, like, what you want and whether like you you would be open to having discussions with other people i think it's really beneficial to understand that you're not alone and not only learn from one therapist but also learn from other people who have gone through similar experiences so to answer your question it's um in terms of benefit like scientifically they both benefit in the same way it just really depends on preference okay makes sense thank you yeah. and if anyone from the audience has any questions, please drop them now before we end the live stream. But um, if anyone has any questions, please drop them in the chat. And on that, I would like to say thank you all for coming. It was I hope you all learned a lot about stress management and take some tips, especially with um, midterms coming up. And I do want to say that we have our second episode of Bring the Work to Balance next week on the 25th from 12.30 to 1.30. And we're going to be talking about how to go... Um, have a trip on a low budget with co-host Misha and I and we also have the third episode on the 28th which is about grief, um, how to live with the grief and our co-hosts will be Isabella and Misha so please as I, as I said follow our Instagram which is where we pop this is the account we're um, live streaming right now and that's where you have all updates if there's no other questions we're going to end the live stream Oh, also, I do want to say I'm currently working on a fitness session, which will be happening on December 1st and December 17th. So please follow our Instagram. We'll be posting more information about that. But that should be really fun. Uh, we're going to be learning how to make ex simple exercises like push-ups, squats, and we're going to have the help of a personal trainer. And this will, have, will be in the gym. So please follow our Instagram for more information. And you can also stop by our office. Again, we are located in the Newman Vertical Campus, room 3-241. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you. You have a wonderful day. Thank Bye. you. Bye.